Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. So we don't usually do Advent, but we're doing Advent this year. We just said, well, let's do Advent. And uh, it kind of goes like this. Advent is, is this time of waiting. It's this preparation. It is, a, it, is a, it is a time to prepare for what is coming. And when we miss that, when we, when we ignore it, which is what happened in my tradition growing up, I didn't even know what Advent meant until I went to seminary at a more liturgical type school and learned about, oh, some of these traditions are kind of important and we should think about them a little more. Anyway, so that's what we're doing is we're thinking about them a little more. But, but Advent is this time of waiting. It's this time of waiting and it leads right up into, uh, into the birth of Jesus and into the Christmas season. And for many of us, it is just a calendar on the wall that your kids are excited about every morning and wake up at 5.30 because they know there's something in the Advent calendar, right? And, and for many of us, it, it, is, it is Christmas season. Advent means Christmas because we're, we're shopping for Christmas and we're thinking about uh, our holiday pictures and getting going to get pictures with Santa or the Grinch or whatever. But, but Advent really isn't Christmas season. It's, it's the before Christmas season. It's the waiting period. It's the, it's the time of anticipation. It's the time of, of that excitement that you know something great is coming and you're not sure what it is. It's also a time, biblically speaking, it's also a time when everything doesn't seem right in the world and you're looking out and you're looking for that uh, to understand that hope from God that seems like it's missing, that it's not there, that it's not real. Like, where is God in the world? Biblically speaking, the, the passages and the stories that we read for Advent are, are answering those questions. Where is God? Telling us about a time when God is going to come back, God is going to return in our lives, God is going to right the wrongs and solve problems of injustice and, and all of that. That is, is part of the Advent series season. And when we miss it, we miss that significant piece of, of the story of who God is. So we're going to explore a few passages this morning, but we're also going to explore a few themes and see if I can weave those together somehow. I don't know if that's going to work or not. We'll find out. You'll find out. I won't know. You'll have to tell me. So we're going to start in Malachi chapter 3. The theme that we could think about in Malachi chapter 3 is the day of the Lord. We got a hand on the day of the Lord. Anyone? Go for it. Sure. Two words. Yeah. Three words. One word? Destruction and renewal. Destruction and renewal. Okay. What else we got? We got one. His kingdom on earth. 
Yeah. So the day of the Lord is this, is this consistent theme in the Hebrew Scripture and into the New Testament, but in the Hebrew Scripture specifically, uh, of the coming day of God, when, when God re- comes down, solves problems. We could see destruction. We could see re- refining of uh, a refiner's fire is often the, the term of that. Uh, but it's always, almost, almost always a reference to the peoples of earth. So the destruction and renewal piece would be everything that is evil being eradicated or, or made new in renewal or, uh, or, or something along those lines. It is about others. So Israel tells the story of the day of the Lord about, about this time when, when all of their enemies meet justice through God. Israel tells a story about, uh, about the, for lack of better terms, paganism in the world, uh, the, the problems of our cultures and society. We use similar language today and we talk about society and the problems that we see and the lack of morality. Like these are all terms that get tied into the day of the Lord. For Malachi, there is a shift in his thinking about the day of the Lord. So this is, for, for what it's worth, this is one of the four texts in the lectionary for Advent, week two of Advent. And we're going to tie the, these lectionary passages together. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. That's the Advent phrase. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? When God comes in all of God's glory, who is righteous enough for this? It's not just simply God's going to solve the injustices of the world and, and eradicate your enemies. It is, it is more finely tuned than that in Malachi. And he says, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify. And this is where it gets really interesting because it's not just purifying the world, the cosmos, evil problems in the world, a purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. If we were telling this story, if we were going to recontextualize recontextualize this for the Christian church, we would say, God is coming like a refiner's fire and will sit and refine and purify the church that has gone astray. We want to talk about the world around us and the problems that we see and the direction of society and the 
the others? And Malachi reads the day of the Lord and flips it to say, God is coming to refine you. God is coming to refine the people that are supposed to already be refined. So when we think about this this moment of Advent and this moment of preparation and this moment of what is coming, God is working in and through us to prepare us and to, to prepare us to be better participants in the work of the Lord. That's the refiner's fire. That's what's happening in this moment. And often we, we fl- for good reason, there are other scripture that view it this way and that use it this way, but for good reason, we think about this as, uh, as the, the solving of evil around us. But Malachi wants us to look at internally. How is this going to work for us? It's also interesting to note because we often think about the refiner's fire or we think about fire in general as a destructive force, which it is and can be. But fire is, in the case of silver and gold and any metal, it is not a destructive force. It is a force of purification. It is a force that refines something that is, is crude into something that is Pure carries so much baggage with it, but in the context of metals, it refines it into something pure. So, so rather than destructive, it is renewing, it is refreshing, it is uh, bringing forth the life of that gold rather than destroying it. In the, for, in the case of, uh, of other places, we also have fire as this extremely destructive, but, but something that brings forth life. So we think about when we have forest fires, we have communities that are devastated. But we also have land that is, that is renewed through that process. It's hard with the way our society and infrastructure is built to not only see the destructive forces, but, but through fire comes forth new life, new vegetation, and a renewed piece of land. So I want us to keep that in mind, not as a, this isn't directionally happening, but it's something to hold in, in our headspace as we think about the other aspects of this morning and the other aspects of Advent and, and preparing. So we're going to turn to Luke now, chapter 3. That was also chapter 3 in Malachi, if I didn't ever get there. Luke chapter 3. And this is a little bit uh, cumbersome. As Luke sets the stage for John the Baptist, he explains this. He does this differently than both Mark and Matthew, by the way. It's always important to note, because, because Mark is written first, Luke and Matthew are written using Mark and another source, and, so, uh, and other sources, we assume. Uh, and so it's always interesting to note, when, when does Luke read Mark and change things? And when does Luke have other sources and choose to do something different with the storyline than Mark or Matthew? It's always important to note those things. So we're going to do a little bit of that. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, 
Governor is not quite the right word, but we'll go with it. And Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Aturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John is set up. So we just read from Malachi, a prophet. John is set up here in Luke as a prophet. We miss this context kind of a thing because we don't have, we're not as finely tuned to the, the way things are written. But, but the way John is introduced here, He's introduced just as Isaiah or Jeremiah or, or Habakkuk would have been introduced in the Hebrew Scriptures. He's introduced with a specific formulation that, that rings, that sounds off this thing like, hey, this is a prophet. It's not just somebody that's going to be wandering in the desert. This you need to read as a prophet. It links John to all of those that have come before him. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That link, oh, forget it. As it is written in the, in the book of words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye, sorry, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Okay, I want to stop for a second, because that's where Mark and Matthew stop this scripture. Mark also references, let me see if I can pull it up. Mark also references this line from Isaiah chapter 40. In Mark, he writes, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. Uh, That's from Malachi that we just did. He's combined Malachi and Isaiah to make this. As it is written, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah doesn't say this, sorry. Bursting bubbles. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. End of sentence, end of line, end of quotation. Luke keeps going. And here's why it's important. Luke has a bigger picture in mind. Just as Luke has set the stage in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, political, when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea, political, ruler of Galilee, his brother, political during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, religious, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, reference to Moses in the wilderness. Luke is setting the stage for a larger conversation about who God is and how God works in the world. It's not simply a religious thing that's happening here as a preparation for Jesus to come. It is bigger because it is political, it is social, it is religious, it is institutional, it is bigger than that. And when 
Luke gets to, ch- to this quotation of Isaiah 40, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Luke is telling a story about John, about God's work in the world. And it is both historical, it is current, and it is future-focused. It is about what God has done, it is about what God is doing, and it is about what God is going to do. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's pulled straight from Isaiah. But Mark didn't see the need to include all of that. Luke feels the need to finish the passage so that we understand that it's not just about Israel. It's not just about a specific people of God. It's not just about, again, contextualizing. It's not just about the church. It's not just about Christians. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. All of creation is seeing this process of renewal, the work of God's salvation throughout everything. Luke doesn't want you focused in on the singular thing. But we must think bigger about how is God working in the fullness of the world, in the fullness of of God's people in the fullness of history. This began in the wilderness when God prepared a way for the people of Israel in the wilderness. So when Luke claims the word of God came to John in the wilderness. It is a calling back to everything that God has been doing in history. Remember where we start our story? Not Genesis. We can, but it gets cumbersome. If we start our story with God hearing the cry of the people in Egypt, this cry of suffering, oppressed people, That is what Luke wants you to hear. We're beginning with John as Luke is telling this story. He says, wait, this is the voice of John in the wilderness. This is the story that is connected through God working in the wilderness hundreds of years ago to now and into the wilderness of your own life. It is all one story being told. Yet, we often tie it, we often lose all of that history and all of that. All of that we lose to focus on the same as Mark did, prepare the way of the Lord. We go back to Malachi. As Mark ties that same scripture to Malachi and we see the day of the Lord tied in to this same passage. But Luke wants you to think bigger than that. Okay, let's talk about reversal for a minute. 
Because what's happening here in all of these moments, and we hear from, from Isaiah as Luke's quoting, every valley shall be filled, reversal. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, reversal. And the crooked shall be made straight, reversal. And the rough ways made smooth, reversal. And all flesh see the salvation of God. That's a reversal because it's not singular people. It's all-encompassing. Remember, we've just come off the Song of Mary. We've just been introduced to a woman who, who doesn't belong in the story of God. And her song is about the reversal of roles. And Luke is going to continue this story all the way. See, see Luke is already thinking ahead. And he's going to tell this story about the reversal of roles. We're going to hear about tax collectors that are good people. We're going to hear about religious elites that are not good people. We're going to hear about those that thought they were in are actually out. And those that thought they were out are actually in. God's kingdom is, is a kingdom of reversing structures religiously, politically, and socially. And Luke wants us to see all of this as he introduces John, who's coming to prepare the way in the wilderness. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.